passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, here today with a special bi-week episode. It has been extremely eventful for the Falcons uh, during this bye week and we will get into all of that. And here to help me do it is Rob Taylor, one of the hosts of Believe in Atlanta Sports and my guest for today's episode. What's up, Rob? How you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here Uh pleased that you guys uh, thought enough of me to have me come on and, and talk a little Falcons football. I know we've got some exciting news. <laughs> we definitely do. Um, but you are not just the guest for today's episode. I've mentioned for listeners of this show uh, who have been following along the whole season. And if you're new here, welcome aboard. Glad to have you. Name tags over there in the back. Uh, grab some refreshments. Next time you come, you have to bring a friend. Those are the rules. Um, but you are not just a guest for today's episode. I will be on paternity leave sometime in the near future. Due dates end of December, but babies are finicky and fickle and they have their own schedule. So whenever I am out, Rob, you're going to be the man stepping in and uh, guiding Ovi on Sundays after the games, doing whatever you want to do with this feed uh, the rest of the way. But is that exciting for you? Talk us through uh, your journey as as a Falcons fan. <laughs> Oh, it's exciting, but I'm also nervous. I hope I don't run your podcast in the ground and chase everybody <laughs> off because I can be a little tough on the Falcons fans. Um, I you think know, they as need far that. I do. I think I think the Falcons fan base and, and the the Atlanta fan base in general uh, need to be held accountable and need some tough love. And that's why I started our Believe in Atlanta Sports podcast. It's also on Believe. Because just as my journey growing up as a Falcons fan, Atlanta sports fan, there's a lot of great ones like myself and you. My co-host, uh, the commissioner, Mark Rich, we're, we're all very kind of level-headed, <laughs> you know, uh, like-minded fans. But there's also the other ones that as soon as, you know, they get wind of something they don't like or as soon as things don't seem to be going our way, they just go off the rails and just say some of the most insane things and the craziest takes that I've ever seen. And I, I know there are in other fan bases, but I feel like it's more prevalent down here in Atlanta, and I, I aim to fix that. <laughs> well, that's good. Bringing a dose of, I guess, hard reality here to the uh, to the podcast, which we need, you know, because I, I generally am going to be a little more optimistic, a little more analytical. I try to remove my emotion um, from it, which I, I know you do as well. And you you and I had a great conversation on, on Tuesday, kind of in the lead up to this podcast. So I, I know some of your thoughts, and I agree with a lot of them. Uh, but I think that you do get to kind of the point 
a little bit more than I do, which frankly, I'm trying to work on. I'm trying to be more like you and just kind of call it how it is, cut through the crap uh, and lay it all out there. So let's just get to the to the point of today's big news, right? Marcus Mariota. Yeah. His time as a starter, done. Desmond Ritter. It's uh, it's officially the rookies go according to multiple sources. What was your initial reaction when you saw that news? Man, the first thing that came through my head, because it's kind of been the theme that people have been calling for all year, and it's Ritter time, baby. It's Ritter time. <laughs> Everybody wanted to know, what do we have? Because you haven't really heard a lot about him. Arthur Smith spoke highly of him in training, said he grasped the playbook well, so he had a great acumen. There were some questions about his arm and accuracy, but we haven't really heard a lot of news stories about what he's doing, you know, with the scout team and how he's progressed throughout the season. It's always just kind of been like he's here, he's on ice. We're going to bring him out when we think it's ready. And now, seemingly, the Falcons are kind of out of the playoff hunt, probably are not really, even though they're in second place, probably not in it to win the South. And we're going to, you know, we're going to get up to see what we have on the road. In New Orleans. I mean, what a way to start your Falcons <laughs> career on the road in New Orleans as a rookie. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that easy. BetOnline, where the game starts. Going to be an interesting place to start, but I, I think that ultimately like this four game schedule or four game stretch means more for the evaluation purposes than I think um, maybe Desmond Ritter's confidence in this league, right? If you're going to let a four game, a bad four games, your rookie year kind of derail your career, then, you know, you probably didn't belong in the NFL to begin with. So yeah, it's on the road. It's going to be in a hostile environment, but he's going to have to play against the Saints at some point if he's going to be a starter in this league. Um, so might as well rip the Band-Aid off. And and I think that, look, the Falcons came into the bye week saying that they were going to have these intense conversations, look at what they needed to do to get this team turned in the right direction. And I do expect them to still kind of say, look, we're in this, even though the Bucks had a miracle win on Monday night, which made things a lot harder for the Falcons in this division. But they're going to say that they're still in it, that, you know, they they kind of on the one hand, I think, know that they need to see Desmond Ritter before the draft. You got to have some intel on him in an NFL game on a Sunday. But also, is there a chance Desmond Ritter actually gives this team a better path forward and a better chance for success over these final four games than Marcus Mariota at that point? Do you think some of that could be at play here? I do. I definitely do. I think it could be a shot in the arm for the team just because it's new and exciting and they're going to get to see this young man come out. And and apparently, you know, like I said earlier, he's got great football acumen. He's very mature for his age. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of the soft skills that you look for. And I just I'm ready to see what he does with this offense. But I also think he could have kind of an easy path. You know, the, the Saints are down. The Cardinals are down. I think we're going to get a Ravens team minus Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So 
I don't want to, you know, hype him up too much, but you, you just never know in the NFL. He could come in and electrify this team and give them a boost, and they could rip off four games and all of a sudden find themselves. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I guess if you're a Falcons fan, your your dream best-case <laughs> scenario and what you've been calling for all year. I mean, ever since game three, I think, they were like, let's get Desmond oh, in. Let's yeah. get Desmond in. So it could happen, and and I think it's, uh you, you know, it's probably – not probably. It is the most exciting thing going on in Atlanta right now is we might be getting a taste and a look at our future here in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, the Nate McMillan, Trey Young thing, it stole the spotlight last week. It's Desmond Ritter spotlight this week. Um, but I actually I think that. Desmond Ritter does give this offense, at least, I think, the best chance for success moving forward, but it doesn't have to do so much with him. I think it has to do with. You know, teams had a little bit of the book on Marcus Mariota in this Falcons offense and how this Falcons offense operated with him at quarterback and the strengths and the weaknesses. And it surprised a lot of teams, I think, early on. But we've seen four of these last five games, all four losses, the offense couldn't get over 20 points. And the defense has actually held its opponents under 20 points. So it's kind of one of these where if the offense had just done a little bit more and they've had chances in these games late, we're maybe not sitting here at five and eight talking about this change. Marcus Mariota probably still has his job, all of that stuff. So I don't think that I'm looking at Desmond Ritter to come in and single-handedly change everything, even though he may be the only single change to this offense. I think it's more about what it allows Arthur Smith to do and what it allows his coaching staff to do in now you can build over this bye week a an offense that teams have not seen and will only really have a couple game sample size by the time it's late in the year, you know, your Tampa Bay, if, if that game is for the division, you only have really three games of an offense with Desmond Ritter at the helm to study. And I just think that's a little bit of a tactical advantage that the Falcons had at the beginning of the year and used so well that they really haven't had lately and it's cost them. So I think that this is, there's part of that in play here. Um, what do you think about obviously not having Kyle Pitts the weaponry around Desmond Ritter. Are you a little concerned? Do you expect him to just like lock totally on Drake London and be like, Drake, you're my boy. Here you go. Here's the ball. Or what, what do you think from, from that standpoint? I'm afraid he's going to try too hard uh, mm. to impress and be good. I'm afraid he may take some chances and some risks and kind of put himself out there running the football which in the NFL, even in college, but I'd say more so in the NFL, when you when you tuck that thing and take off, you are opening yourself up yeah. to a, a lot of different scenarios. I think my question is, is we all saw what he had in college. I think he was undefeated at home. He was like 44 and six. I just, what does he do well? What does he do the best? And, and, and right. is, it, is, it, is it like a, a secret. I mean, is Desmond Ritter, is this why Arthur Smith haven't, hasn't said so much? Is he like the best kept secret <laughs> in the NFL? And they're going to see some new wrinkles and, and they're going to throw some things at the Saints and everybody else. And they're just, and I wonder, does, is Desmond Ritter, you hear it in baseball and other sports all the time. These young guys come up and they start to shine and you hear the announcer go, well, they don't know any better. They don't yeah. know they're not supposed to be doing this, you know, yeah. because they're, they're, they're just, they're young, they're confident and, I got to tell you, I've been tell I've been saying all year, like, hey, Mariota's the guy until he's not the guy. So let's support him. Let's get behind him. We don't need to see Ritter yet, you know. We're, but at now, I, I I'm fully on board. Like Mariota had his time. It, it is Ritter time, and I'm excited. And it's that's the message I want to give to Falcons fans. He's a rookie. It's his first game. Give him time. 
go easy on them. You Atlanta fans are really tough. And I know, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to have high expectations. So d- d- just lower your expectations a little bit and let's just let it unfold. And this is going to take us into next season. But I also wonder, is this kind of, did they do it to see what they have to maybe manipulate their, the draft, you know, like, what do we have? Right. Do we need, do we need to take a quarterback? Let's get a, let's get a sample size of this guy in, in action and see how we need to plan out the springtime when that happens. So let's kind of follow with that, right? Because I, I do think that that is 100% part of this is not only as we're building a team, because the one thing that nobody can criticize the Falcons for this year is that they clearly knew what type of team they had to have this year. And they went and built that type of team. Arthur Smith knew the type of offense he was going to run. They got the kind of pieces in here and defensively Dean P said, all right, like if if we're going to get a bunch of one year contract guys, like these are the types of guys that I need. And I think Terry Fontenot did a good job of, of bringing those guys in here to at least have a year's worth of success. Even if it looks funky at times, even if it's not conventional, they kind of knew what they had to work with. And I think that that is very important because you need to know what style of game is Desmond Ritter comfortable of playing. Can he run the ball like Marcus Mariota? Does he have the same instincts, even if he's not maybe as athletic, that allows him to get a step on a defender to, you know, maximize his athleticism, all things like that. And so having a four-game sample size, which used to be a quarter of the season and, and damn near still is, like, that's, that's enough. That's enough to know, okay, is this guy a career backup? Is this guy a fringe starter is this guy you know a full-blown starter and and the coaching staff has part of that information from practice but seeing in the game is an entirely different level what do you think like if if mark or if desmond ritter goes oh and four in this stretch what will will your mindset be and then on the flip side if he goes four and oh obviously the falcons are probably in the playoffs if he goes four and oh as a starter but what are those two polars like for you? I think it depends on the manner in which they lose those four games. If that happens, that's you fair. Know, are yeah. there silver linings? You know, what did he do in the game? What was the score? You know, and I think it's going to be, hey, he had us in those four games, but you know, Cordero Patterson could hold on to the football, or the defense <laughs> broke down. As, as yeah. long as you can't look at those four losses and point to him and go, he did it. But at the same time, it's that, oh, God, it's so tough just because he's a rookie. And it's like, well, what do you think was going to happen? You right. Know? And, yeah. You, you know, you, you can always have those crazy success stories where somebody comes in and just is a house of fire and goes nuts, you know, kind of like the guy that comes out of nowhere in the wrestling match, you know, and just comes out and clears the ring out and goes crazy. Like that could happen. But I think as long as he makes better decisions than Marcus Mariota, takes care of the football and he's not the reason they're losing games. Even if they go zero and four, I think they just go, Hey, now you got to taste the NFL kid, but we can build on it. As long as they see positives when they break down that film, as long as there's things to build on, I think he'll be fine. Now, if he goes four and oh, the city of Atlanta will probably elect him to be the next mayor. And you know, people, not will be another election. Super no, Bowl no, tattoos, Rob, we don't need know. another election. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had enough for now. <laughs> We definitely have. I I mean, the team didn't ask Marcus Mariota to do too much, right? Like it was usually 24 passes, maybe a game. He'd complete 13 of them for 196 yards with a touchdown and a pick. Like that's not a big day at the office for any quarterback in this league. And it's not a big heavy workload. 
I wonder because, you know, Desmond Ritter's still an athlete. We saw that at the combine. We saw that while he was at Cincinnati, but I don't know if he is the natural runner that Marcus Mariota is. So do you, could you, could you see them maybe tweaking slightly that the things that they asked Marcus to do, which was partially with his legs and partially with his arm, could you see that being like 75, 25 with Desmond's arm versus his legs? You think they're still going to incorporate this, you know, zone read, let him pull it, get a first down on a third and six. Like what kind of trust in Desmond Ritter, the runner, do you think this offense will show? Because it's been really heavily involved at the quarterback position so far. You know, I, I don't know. I, I was wondering that, you know, kind of out uh, out loud to myself earlier today, like how much of the offense is going to kind of be scripted for him. Exactly. I wouldn't yeah. think they would give him a lot of freedom with the football, but it, it'll just be interesting to see how they handle it. I, I couldn't really imagine, uh, you know, what they're going to do with him. Um, I know it's not going to be, hey, kid, get out there and let it rip. But, you know, I've never even liked the running quarterbacks. All I've ever wanted <laughs> from a quarterback in Atlanta or any team, I, I just don't like running quarterbacks in the NFL. I think they can do well. Historically, they don't do well. Oh, after a few years, they take some licks and, you know, it affects their game. I just, can you extend plays with your legs? And the answer is yes. I, you don't need to tuck it and run for 20 yards. Yeah. But can you can you scramble out of the pocket can you just get outside the box and extend plays and, and make something happen out of nothing? You know, if a play blows up, do you have what it takes to kind of scramble around and look for another alternative and keep the play alive? That's all I want him to do. Who was uh, who was your favorite quarterback or I guess like of all time? Well, you know, uh, some people are probably going to turn it off after they hear this. But in my mind and in my opinion, Peyton Manning is hands down the greatest quarterback that has ever played the game of football. I just his, I his, his tend brain, to agree. his acumen, yeah. his leadership, like everything. I know he doesn't have the hardware and all the stuff. He well, he has two Super Bowls with two different teams. <laughs> and I know he didn't have a lot of the hardware that Brady has, but I'm telling you, he's the best I've ever seen. And I'm old enough that I saw Montana and Marino and a lot of these Phil Sims. I could the list goes on and on. But for my money, Peyton Manning's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play the game. Period. Yeah. I mean, for a long time there, when it was you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, like the peak Brady Manning years, even though Brady was getting the hardware, I was like, yeah, but I still think that for all that you need a quarterback to do, like Peyton Manning does everything. Like the Colts, their offense was just like, line it up and let Peyton call the play. You know, Brady's mm -hmm. not, Brady's not doing that. Now Brady executes the plays extreme. Like I'm not going to sit here. He doesn't need me to defend him here on, on this Falcons podcast, yeah. but, <laughs> but no, I, I, tend to agree with you is I I've been a big fan of Peyton Manning's throughout his career. You like the Manning cast. You ever, you ever watch? Oh that? my God, it's hilarious. And what's crazy <laughs> to think is that the Patriots almost put themselves in a position to get Peyton Manning. Can you imagine what that dynasty as great as it was with Brady, what it would have been like with, with Peyton Manning. It's, it's almost like they would have just won the Super Bowl for a decade. <laughs> I you wonder know? though what what the Manning Belichick relationship would have been like. Like, would would have Peyton have respected the hell out of Bill and said, "Hey, like this guy is a genius and like he gets it, so I'm going to go to the mat for him in practice every single like." Because I think Brady did a lot of stuff that you know quarterbacks in other spots like don't necessarily have to do because of how demanding that coach is and that and like he obviously has like a incredible innate like fire and competitiveness but like so does Peyton so I just wonder Peyton having the free reign to really run the show in Indy 
him in New England where everything is under the thumb of Bill Belichick, would that have meshed as well as it did with him and Brady? Man, I think it probably would have ended up being a balance of power because he would have ended up showing Belichick what he could do and it would have been kind of a Maybe it would have been kind of like a Magneto Professor Xavier, you know, relationship Ooh, where they're, they're kind of adversaries, but they have that mutual respect and it somehow works when they need it to. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a that's a great comp. The uh, they're so both incredibly powerful on their own, but it's like, all right, put them together. Let's let's see. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So any final thoughts on the the Desmond Ritter news today? Um, does it change your outlook, I guess, for this team over the final four games? I think it just gives me more of a reason to watch, honestly, uh, because yeah. I knew it. I, I just really thought if they kept Mariota in there, it just would have been a very anticlimactic end of the season. And now we've kind of, you know, because it seemingly the playoffs are done and we're, we're out of that division hunt. It's like, well, you know, we got to see what this kid does. So we got to tune in because, you know, uh, there's and myself included a lot of Falcons fans. They get down to those last three games of the season and there's something different going on on a Sunday. They're like, well, <laughs> Yeah, I'll take off. But now everybody's going to be tuning in to see what the new kid can do and to see kind of give us a glimpse of how our season's going to begin next year and, and how it's going to work. Dude, tell me about it, man. From 2017 to 2020, those last few years, especially being in the press box in like week 15 when the Falcons are playing Detroit and it's like, all right, they announced the the attendance here is 67,452. It's like I could literally from the press box count how many people are in this stadium. Like they yeah. they start checking out and it I mean I I get it, but that's a great point. They're not going to do that this year because it's almost like for all those that have wanted draft season to start early and for the Falcons to be in the running for the top pick, they kind of still are, but now it's like draft season all over again because you get to watch your rookie that everybody really cares about make his first snap. So yeah, from that standpoint, it's at least exciting. But we're going to wrap up here today with what was going to be our topic before uh, the Desmond Ritter news broke. So I'm glad that we held this podcast just a little bit so that we could uh, touch upon that. But we're going to do a little bit of a uh, naughty and no nice list um, here at the bye week from the first 13 games of the Falcons season. Basically, this is just going to be three things that that we like from the first uh I guess, preceding the bye week and then three things that we don't like. So because I may not be here for Christmas, naughty and nice. There we go. It's Christmas themed. Everybody can be happy um, and it'll be festive. So I'm going to start with you, Rob. We're going to start with our naughty and then we'll end with nice. But uh, give me, I guess, number three on your naughty list. I don't know if you numbered them in any order or not. Oh, like yeah, that. I've got I've got it right here. All right, so, cool. Well, uh, and, give me number three then. Number three on my naughty list just from all the, the Twitter uh, interactions on my account and our podcast <laughs> are the fans. There you go. Call them I mean, out. You guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, and it's not everybody, but a large portion of the fan base, not even five games into this season was saying we've got to, Arthur and Terry are not the combo. Arthur's not the guy. What are we doing? And I'm here going, nobody else is thinking that, but you calm down. Look what they're dealing with. These guys got the bad news bears and they've done pretty well <laughs> with them. You know, they, they're not dealing with the best talent. I mean, you know, Atlanta, there was a time where they didn't have a lot of trade capital. Thomas Dermitroff destroyed us cap wise. So to be able to do what they've done and kind of a lot of the fan base reacting negatively and, and kind of, you know, making these assessments and these assumptions and these statements that they know better 
than Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot just really irks me. So I, I want to tell everybody uh, as fans, just kind of t- take your fan hat off if you can and, and, and try to tuck that heart back into your sleeve and just look at it from a standpoint of how the players see it in the locker room and how the coaches see it and just yep. be patient, trust the process, let things unfold before you go all crazy. So I won't spend too much time on that, but Falcons fans, we can be better. We can be more supportive. We're the 12th man. Let's get after it. Number two on the naughty list, obviously, I hate to say it because I know he's a really nice guy. I've never met him, but I've, you know, through interviews and whatnot, Marcus Mariota, you're on the naughty list. Honestly, because a lot of the games that are in that L column, they're his fault. His inability really, to, his to fault. take care of Well, I, I won't say his fault alone, but the, like that Saints game, that first Saints game, yeah. the, the the Commanders game, it's it's a lot of the things that he did and the decisions that he made that, that kind of kept us from out of the game. Now, it's a team. You, you You win as a team, you lose as a team, but you can also – point the, the dirty end of the stick that, yeah, in some of those games, the problem has been the quarterback play. Yeah, and I agree now, with that. I, I hope Marcus, you know, stays around here and, and helps get, you know, Ritter prepped or, or, or finds finds his, you know, new uh, He's life entering the transfer else. portal as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> and number one on my naughty list, and, and I know, uh, you know, you hear Kirby Smart say this week in and week out, it's tough to go into somebody's house and win on the road. And the Falcons road record this year is abysmal mm. at one in five. So if they just could have figured out a, a formula to pick up another couple of road wins, you're, you're, we're very much in the hunt. They're four and three at home. Yep. And that's my naughty list. Falcons got to work on that road record next year for sure to be competitive. It's easy to win at home in front of the home team, but getting out on the road, you got you got to improve on that. Two, two comments there. It's a good thing that their next two games are on the road. So that that makes me feel very, very good. Um, great start to, to Desmond Ritter's run there. Um, and then secondly, you're making me feel great about this uh, this choice. Already two jabs at the fan base uh, in, in your first appearance. I love it. That's the sound of all the dials being turned down. Um, so, yeah. it's, so it's great. No, I, I, I love it. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll give my naughty list here. Let's see. Um, number three on my list. You kind of mentioned this, the late game fumbles. So I I went more specifically with just, you know, thinking back to Drake London in that Chargers game, thinking back to, you know, Avery Williams, uh, Cordero Patterson, like some of these, not those weren't necessarily late game, but certainly Marcus Mariota um, at times has definitely, I at one point I want to say it was like he had six fumbles and all of them had come in the second half and like four of them had come in the fourth quarter. And that was maybe through like the first seven games or something. Uh, so yeah, it definitely has held the team back at times, especially in these one score games. So I think that we're pretty aligned on, on that there. Number two, and and this is a player for me as well. And it's just because I had such high expectations for him coming into the year, but it's Ade Ogundeji, uh, the second year kind of outside linebacker, defensive end hybrid, who I really thought was going to be a huge boost to Atlanta's run defense. I went back and I rewatched the Steelers game. There's a big Najee Harris run that almost should have been a touchdown if Najee doesn't fall and trip on his own uh, while making a cut. But Ade is supposed to set the edge there. He doesn't. He just gets washed inside. And it too often, and especially given Atlanta's tackling issues this season, they've let people get to the exterior on the, of the defense. And I think that that Ade, in his second year, hopefully it's a little bit of a learning curve. I don't know the role they have for him, but it's just not what I expected um, 
out of him this this year after what I thought was a really strong rookie season. Uh, and so the number one on my naughty list is the referee at the end of the Bucks game. We're not letting him go. We're not letting him slide. You know, we are down here and it is neck and neck in a bad NFC South between the Falcons and the Bucks. That was a game where the Falcons should have at least gotten one last opportunity at the ball. I'm not saying that they would have won the game. I'm not saying that everything would be totally different without that call. All I'm saying is that I hated that call and I think they got robbed and it was bullcrap and we've seen way worse tackles on the quarterback and it happened to be Tom Brady and his geriatric ass and the Falcons got a, a rough call out of that. So if it does come down to Falcons bucks at the end of the season and there is something to play for, I think we're all going to be looking back at that, uh, at that game and really wondering what could have happened. So, Oh yeah. Those are my Payback three. For That's sure. my naughty list. <clears throat> All right, so like, is, it, is it back to me with the nice? Yeah, let's do your nice list. So my nice list, and this is a pretty good one, uh, even though they they kind of had some laundry out on the field during the Steelers game, but the Falcons this year were one of the least penalized teams in all of football. So that's something you can hang your hat on that speaks to their discipline, that speaks yeah. to Arthur Smith and his staff, which kind of leads me into my number two on the nice list, Arthur Smith and his staff, what they've been able to do and the production that they've been able to get out of some of these players that – Let's not kid each other. There's not a lot of top tier NFL talent, but you know, some people will go, what do you mean? He only won five games. Well, mm-hmm. he, you know, Vegas had us at two games. Uh, some other people had four games. So for him to be, and you look at the Rams game. I mean, we were in that game, how, how they fought back. I just, the players yeah. and everybody have bought in. And despite knowing it was probably going to be one of those seasons with a lot of, you know, just learning moments and we're probably not going to be that good. Year after, or not year after year, week after week, I see Arthur Smith putting a team out there, and they fight every week, mm-hmm. regardless of their record. They fight every week, and and I, that's why I'm excited to have him here and and have him be here for the foreseeable future. Well, and, and they one, have they have game plans, right? Like they have game plans. I think for each game, which is kind of to your point, it keeps them in every game. They never feel like they're out of it because they always feel like we knew what this team was going to do. We have a plan in place to at least counteract some of it. And let's just get to work. I just never felt like that at the end of Dan Quinn's run. You know, that this team had a, oh, we knew exactly what they were. Okay, like, cool. We've practiced for this. We've prepped for this. It was more just, we know what we want to do. Like, we'll see what they're going to do. Right. And mm-hmm. I think Arthur Smith deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that he's here. I think he's going to do great things. And, and again, there's, you know, we, we can't go too much longer, but there's a, just a couple of key pieces. I think he's very close as long as, Terry Fontenot and, and and company can do their job in the offseason and the Falcons can execute yeah. a great draft. Man, I think we're gonna be back to the, you know, the 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 glory years of the nineteen ninety eights and the two thousand sixteens and and all the great stuff. And then, you know, so number one on my list, and I, you know, I said it the whole time, I was like, well, let's see what he does next year. But Cordero Patterson, I mean, what a story. You know, just mm-hmm. to have a comeback year and then he comes back in his second year in Atlanta does it again so it sure does look like we have a a solid i still i still say we need a marquee feature back but he's certainly kind of the my my buddy mark rich on on our show he calls him the swiss army knife of the falcons offense and i i just really see him being an important piece moving moving down the line i think he's going to be somebody that's going to finish up his career here in atlanta and be a part of something special i think it's a great call um and i think cordero patterson has definitely been you know maybe not uh as good as last year, but the injuries have certainly played a role in that. But I think he's been better than 
you know, those who were pessimistic and maybe saying it was a one year kind of wonder and that he was old and then maybe it, it was going to all decline. Like he certainly still has it. And the Falcons are still a good team with him out there. So that's an awesome, uh, nice list. I, I think you hit on some very key things. And I'm glad we actually don't overlap, which means that there's plenty of positives, I guess, uh, for this Falcons team. So my number three is is Darren Hall, um, which may be surprising to some people because he hasn't like jumped off the page or anything. But the Falcons really were in a tough spot there at uh, a critical point in the season when both AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward go down pretty much at the exact same time. And Darren Hall was already slotted to kind of step in when uh, Hayward went down as the number two corner. But then with AJ going down, he's at times had to be your number one for most of the season. He's been your number two. And I think that he's been really solid. He has held his own um, against a lot of good wide receivers when teams, you know, are maybe not throwing to AJ Terrell as much. I think he's been one of the more reliable tacklers in the secondary. Uh, And so for his, for it just being a second season, I think that he has at least shown bare minimum like he can be a serviceable number two corner and probably an amazing like fourth corner. Maybe not like your slot, but just, hey, you're the next man off the bench. Darren Hall absolutely is a home run there. And he's still young and still growing. So I think that for a team that a couple of years ago looked cornerback starved, they they are actually building something nice, I think, in the secondary. Uh, my number two is a, another uh, group or, or area of this defense that forever has been a weakness. Hopefully it gets better moving forward. But Arnold Evicati, the uh, second round pick this April, I think has been really, really good so far as a rookie. Um, I mean, he is right now fourth in total pressures um, among rookies. And when I say, you know, this group, because it's actually turning out to be a really good rookie pass rushing group, you got guys like, um, Trayvon Walker, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously George Karloftis, like an Arnold Epicady. That's been kind of like the core five. So he's fourth um, among that. And he's tied with Trayvon Walker among rookies um, in total pressures. And he has the fewest snaps among those top five that I just mentioned. So he's really been effective on a per snap basis. He's got the um, he's got a lot of nice moves. I saw him execute a spin move against the Steelers that I really or not the Steelers the game before because he was out against the Steelers, but that I didn't think he had in his bag. Uh, and so he's just developing. I think he'll make a huge leap from rookie to uh, to sophomore year here uh, in Atlanta because that's usually what pass rushers do. And of course, getting help around him will be huge for his development as well. But as a single player, like I really couldn't be more pleased with what Arnold Epicati has done. And they really needed to get somebody like this, I think, uh, for the defense. Number one for me, though, is flipping sides to the offense, the offensive line. I mean, to me, that is the single positive for this entire season is the offensive line. And it is not even close. Um, They're the number one run blocking unit on PFF by like a wide margin as a, as a team. I mean, it's 83.9 is, is their grade. The next, the second place team in the NFL is a 75.9 grade. So that is, you know, seven, eight points higher than the second place team. Like, Far and away, the Falcons have the best run blocking offensive line this season. They're the number two run offense in the NFL on a yards per game basis. And they've got their number three in adjusted line yards, according to Football Outsiders, which is, as it sounds, the yards uh, accounted for by the uh, the line, which is just under five yards. I mean, this offensive line is basically getting their running backs five yards um, by the time they really have to do anything themselves. 
So I think that the individual members of this team, Chris Lindstrom, is the highest graded uh, guard in PFF this season in the entire NFL. I mean, he should be in the Pro Bowl. He's probably the one Pro Bowler on this roster. And then you look at guys like Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarry, who Caleb, on the one hand, didn't get his fifth year contract picked up. But I think he has had his best season by far as a Falcon and generally looks good at right tackle. Jake Matthews has been here forever, is a is a leader, but has been, again, really, really solid for Atlanta this season. Need to figure out center and, and left guard, in my opinion. Uh, I think Drew Dahlman could be something, but of the offensive line mainstays, he's been the weakest. And then left guard, you know, it's just been a little bit of a rotation that I think they will figure out eventually. But yeah, the offensive line, like night and day, dude. Last year, we were sitting here at the draft talking about offensive line help, pass rush help is maybe like the two biggest areas. Now, nah, the offensive line has turned into a real strength. And I think that does go back to Arthur Smith, to, to your point, is like what this coaching staff has been able to change to obviously figure something out because the guys have been kind of the same guys. And if I'm not mistaken, Arthur was an O-lineman at, at North Carolina. At North Carolina, so yeah. That might have so he knows what he's doing. to do with it. And I also wonder, have we seen the last of Jalen Mayfield? It kind of seems like, uh, you know, he was it's tough. He's very highly touted, but he has just gotten knocked around. I think also worth mentioning that Chris Lindstrom is the Falcons' uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year yes. award nominee this year. So that's cool, too. And that's the key. You know, that's the key, to, I think, to any winning franchise. Or Walter Payton Mans keys. of the Year's? <laughs> Well, no, you know, offensive <laughs> line. You got to have that good all O line down in the trenches. You know, just imagine if the Falcons could have gotten anything going uh, with their passing game, where they might be. You know, yeah. you, you know, you have such a great offensive line, and, and your your run game has been pretty darn good. But if you you know that, the, the Falcons have just been kind of one dimensional. It's been like well, we can they run have. it and we can kind of pass it. And I can't wait to get Kyle Pitts and Desmond Ritter on the same field just to see what they can do. Together. I know. I know Drake London's there, but. I'm just ready for here's my thing. <clears throat> Get Pitts back. You got Drake London in year two. I, I you know, maybe you line up Cordell in the slot or or some some plays out of the backfield, but and a feature back. I think the Falcons are very, very close on offense. Closer on offense than they are on defense as far as fielding a, a competitive team that can play for a championship, that's for sure. Interesting. That that might have to be a whole second podcast that uh, <laughs> that we do because that I I would maybe take on that debate. I just saw your I saw your eyebrows just raise up like, yeah. oh my God, what is he talking about? I don't I'd, know. I'd, I, maybe, I don't know. I'd maybe take I don't know if I want this debate. guy running my show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I mean, I can see that. And I think what's fun is like, we'll get a chance to see, see Desmond Ritter over these next four weeks. Like, we're not going to have to guess anymore and say, well, maybe the offense could be better. Or maybe this passing game could be better. Like, we're going to get a chance to see, all right, can this passing game elevate and match the run game? You know, can this offensive line, is it easier to block for a Desmond Ritter who maybe will stand in the pocket a little bit more than a Marcus Mariota? Like, we're going to get a chance to kind of get answers to a lot of these questions, which is really exciting. Um, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, even if I won't be on this podcast, you guys can believe that I will still be watching every single game. And, and whenever I return, I'll have plenty of takes uh, for you guys. So, Rob, anything that you want to uh, let everybody know before we get out of here? Not really. Just thanks for the opportunity. Thanks to Jen Duddleston, to you, uh, Ovi, and, and I'm glad you guys uh, thought of me to, to help me kind of sit in. And, and, and maybe if you're having a quiet day, we can get you on as maybe. a guest on your own show and you can show <laughs> the world uh, the newest McFadden. 
Maybe, maybe we'll uh, may have to run that by the wife or maybe we <laughs> won't. And maybe when they're both napping, we'll uh, we'll sneak Remember on and this. do a very quiet ASMR related podcast. Better so. to beg forgiveness than ask permission. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, today's podcast was presented as always by Bet Online. Thank you so much, Rob, for uh, for hopping on and joining me. That's it for our bye week episode. The Falcons will be back in action next Sunday to take on the Saints in New Orleans and Desmond Ritter will make his first career start. But until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.